freaking auto! This is Brock and Salk. Brock Heward is my hero. Jay Buhner just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. So we're going to see you on the internet. Don't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Hello! Hello! All right, final hour of our morning together today. Brock and Salk Sales Sports on 710salesports.com. And uh, we're joined by Dan Samborski from Fangraphs. And Dan been reading through all the projections, trying to get a sense as to what the what we can realistically expect from these Mariners. Could you help interpret some of it for us a little bit? When you look at this team and you crunch the numbers and you run the projections, what do you see? Well, I mean, there's a lot of give anyway with the projection because the future is extremely uncertain. Uh, the Zips projections at least see the Mariners kind of as a mid to upper 80s team and wins. Uh, and obviously, and that that's a huge array of outcomes. Uh, when you win 90 games, you're likely to make the playoffs. You win 80 games, not so much. Uh, so it's the Mariners don't look like a top-tier team. But I, I think that some of the pessimism, at least nationally, is probably unwarranted. Does it feel much different than last year's team at this point? It, it doesn't really. I mean, a lot of the players are different, but a lot of the elements are still there. The pitching, the starting pitching should be really good. They're deep there. They have a really good high end with Luis Castillo. He's probably the Zips favorite to win the AL Cy Young. So that's that's the thing. Uh, but, you know, the the offense has continually been in a state of flux. Uh, they pull off a lot of trades, uh, patch things up here and there, but it's not going to be a top-notch offense outside, of course, a, a certain outfielder who I shouldn't have to name for anyone. <laughs> We're going to come back to him I in a moment. I love Mitch Hamaker, too. Yes, Luke Rayleigh really shows up here on, on the Zips projections. <laughs> We're going to come back to Julio in a minute, but I want to follow up with that because I think a lot of the conversation locally is so much excitement about George Kirby maybe taking that next step and being the Cy Young Award kind of guy. Logan and his growth are the two young kids. And maybe we forget or sleep on Luis Castillo a little bit, or maybe last year felt, I don't know, a little maybe underwhelming. Not bad, certainly, but maybe a little underwhelming. What is it that that the projections like about him so much? Well, he he all his peripherals are excellent. He he's not, you know, a 15 strikeouts per nine picture or anything, but he's very steady, gets, you know, 10 strikeouts per game, doesn't really walk anyone, keeps the ball in the park, which I mean is is useful anywhere. Uh and he's has a pretty good health history, especially for a picture. Uh he's missed very little time over the years concerning what can happen with the picture. And there's something to be said for boring excellence in a way, because Mike Trout at his peak was almost like that. Uh, obviously, uh, Castillo is not in the same realm as, as, as Trout is from a bottom line win standpoint. But Trout was so great at his peak when he was healthy that it was almost boring in some ways. Uh, boring excellence is probably the, <laughs> the platonic ideal for a picture in a way. Mm. Your favorite move of the Mariners offseason, your least favorite move on paper. Hmm, I, I I really like – it's hard to say because the Mariners, what they do is they do a lot of low-key transactions. They they shift uh, a lot of players around. Uh, I mean, I love the Gregory Santos trade. I, I think that he is a really 
you know, he's an elite reliever and you can't really get those guys cheaply in free agency. So I think that he's a lot more valuable than, uh, than, than a lot of people think, even if uh, a reliever doesn't necessarily move the needle all that much. I'm also a fan of the Polanco trade. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think given the depth uh, and the youth that the Mariners have available in the rotation, uh, Disclafani was not really someone who is like a huge part of the plan. He's kind of the, the mop up guy, the, the eighth, the eighth starter essentially. And to get a, a legitimate starter uh, who should do better than, you know, some of the options they've had at, at second or third in recent years. I, I think that that's a plus. I think that my biggest complaint about the off season isn't really any specific transaction that happened. I think it's the transactions that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I really would have liked to see the Mariners go after one of the few difference makers in, in, in uh, that were available in free agency. Obviously, uh, picked, it was it was a deeper free agent for free agent market for pitchers than hitters, but it would have been nice to see, you know, beyond Mitch Garver, like one central thumper in the lineup added. Is Garver a difference maker at all? I think he can be, uh, but he's not someone who you, who's going to hit cleanup and be an MVP candidate that way. He obviously has a lot of value because he has the ability to play catcher. Uh, but you kind of want, obviously, you, you can't just go out and sign an Aaron Judge, but obviously it didn't happen, but Otani in the lineup would have been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> as, as it turns out, he'd have been fun in virtually every lineup, that's for sure. So, Julio, I'm just looking at your projections, and I don't know that I understand the difference between uh, the Zips and the Zips DC projections. What what is the we difference get, there? We'll get into that off the air. So okay, sorry. Stuff, yes. <laughs> well, well, Zips is a computer projection system, and it doesn't really know about decisions teams are going to make. It it can look at injury history, ah. but Zips kind of takes an agnostic view. So you'll see minor leaguers projected for 500 plate appearances because I think it's more interesting uh, a task for a computer to say what could this random double A guy hit if he played in the majors then they just project them at zero plate appearances because that doesn't give you any useful information Uh, the Zips DC are the projections prorated to the playing time we have on the depth chart uh, at at Fangraphs and that kind of tries to do a a, a more detailed job in saying who will actually get playing time. That makes sense. See Brock that was worth asking now I understand a little bit better but you got Julio regardless as as a top six or seven kind of player in major league baseball position player, what kind of growth could we reasonably expect from Julio this year? Growth is tricky for a young superstar. Cause if you look at them when they, when they are phenom status and they hit the majors at 22, 23 or even younger and excel immediately, they don't really have like a huge growth curve beyond that. They tend to peak fairly early at that level of play, but in a good season, I mean, you can expect him to be an MVP contender. Uh, there's just, there's not a lot of players that you would like better uh, when you talk rest of career, if you had to draft everyone, than Rodriguez uh, right now, I mean, Zips only has a single player in baseball with more future projected war remaining uh, than uh, Rodriguez. And that's uh, Ronald Acuna jr. Uh, so even if he doesn't get like, become like a seven or eight win player every year. Uh, he's pretty damn good. And there's not, there are very few players you would ever choose over him. Dan, uh, last question for me. Is there any free agent available 
Anybody left out there on that market that would move the needle for these Mariners from, uh, as you said, upper 80s to low 80s, anybody that can move them into a 90-win kind of team? At this point, not really. Uh, one of the problems the Mariners did face is that the, the specific needs they have were kind of light in free agency. There weren't a lot of great outfielders or, or first basemen available. I mean, Teoscar Hernandez was one of the top outfielders available. Uh, that's just it was a thin market. And what free agency did have a lot of was starting pitching. And the thing is that the Mariners are pretty good there. So that necessarily wasn't a priority. While Jordan Montgomery would move the needle for a lot of teams. I don't think he necessarily would for the, for the Mariners because he'd be replacing, you know, Brian Wu in, innings or something, which isn't the same as replacing a pretty lousy pitcher. Cause Wu is not, I, I don't think there's really much, signing wise they could do at this point to really move that needle it would have to be like some crazy trade which i mean could come from anywhere what about chapman just because we've been talking about him and just because of their positional need at third base and certainly he'd be a swallow hard kind of a thing but where where are you on chapman chapman uh i i think the Mariners aren't that bad at third uh relatively speaking i think some teams are in a worse position uh, but he would add maybe a win or two, and he might arguably the, be the best option available if you have to. I mean, a win or two. If you have to find someone. Might... Yeah, I mean, a win or two where the Mariners are could be a pretty big deal, uh, but the question is would they be willing to pay that price? Right. Because I don't think he's going to come cheaply, even if he's not going to get the deal he wants. Great. Love it. Dan, always fun to catch up with you and people should spend some time on fan graphs. Go look through, through the zips and the zips DC follow Dan on Twitter and get his unique brand of humor mixed with some fantastic baseball conversation as well. And usually some, uh, some AI stuff as well, Brock, you might get AI art. You never know where Dan's going to go. So, uh, Hey man, we always appreciate it. Thanks for coming on and, and giving us this view of things. Always fun, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, there you go. There's Dan Samborski, who I love. Brock, thank you. You were very well behaved. I appreciate that about you. I've been holding a lot of stuff in. Everyone's very (laughs) proud of you. So, uh, yeah. You are welcome, Mike. He's an interesting dude. I he think is. it's a really it's a really cool thing that they do. And and obviously what he does is very different from what we do and views the world a little bit differently. And you, you know. need all the colors, man. You need it all. Yeah. You, you need the full spectrum. I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Make you feel good at all. <laughs> Michael, they're a mid to upper 80s team. Could be low 80s. Could be. That'd be great. Let's hope they're low 80s. That would make for a really fun season. We'll give you everything you need to know next on Brock and Salk. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Yeah, with the Mariners all reported for duty and working out for the first time today, it was interesting to hear Brock from Shannon and from Dan Simborski and Shannon talking about the connection there and the psychological element of what went into this offseason and trying to build back some trust in the clubhouse after the way things ended. Logan Gilbert specifically was talking about the offseason. It's one thing to kind of hear the management's view. It was different mm-hmm. to hear from Logan specifically as a player. Every trade or acquisition I got more excited about so you know we got like two or three guys and I'm like okay this is starting to look really good and then towards the end of the offseason we kept adding and then got Polanco and got um, Santos and like this is we're actually looking really really good so I think we have a really good chance I think the front office was really creative and 
how they did it because I was like everybody else trying to guess on my couch at home what we're going to do. And it was not at all what I guessed, but I think it was even way better. I love the way he approaches that. Mm -hmm. He really has been one of my favorites to talk to and listen to and obviously to watch pitch. But if that's the psychological side of it, then you hear from Dan Samborski. He takes all of that off the table and says, hey, look at the way this team is projected. Yeah, you keep talking about Kirby or whatever. Luis Castillo is the one they have projected to be a Cy Young Award winner. Yeah, and you can move around a lot of different pieces, as Dan said, and this is going to be a different team. And Shannon alluded to that as well. A lot of new different faces, but all the way along without getting away from the identity and mm -hmm. not touching the strength of this roster, which is that pitching staff, moved enough pieces around, found a way to still be a team that most of these projections have in the mid-80s, competitive in a playoff situation, and then who can take that leap? Who can take that jump? I mean, last year it was JP and Cal that took significant strides forward. So if you get that out of some of these pieces and out of your younger players, or maybe even out of the strength, out of your pitching rotation, you become maybe a 90-win team in a little different conversation. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Here's the second thing you need to know. Uh, we are exactly three weeks away from the start of NFL free agency, or at least the legal tampering period, Brock. That's when things really get good, when you can legally tamper. Oh, that will start next week in Indianapolis. Well, it's not legal then. It's nah, illegal sure. tampering until sure, uh, sure. three weeks uh -huh. from today. But you can always obviously make decisions with your own players, and the Seahawks are going to have to make some of those. They're probably not going to franchise tag anybody. That uh, window opens up today. But what are they going to do with Leonard Williams? What are they going to do with... Uh, uh, Jordan Brooks, Bobby Wagner. I mean, those are all major decisions to make. And I don't know. The, I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to piece together the Leonard Williams one. Yep. Well, I wanted them to acquire him. So I'm certainly not upset that they did. Yep. But don't you want to resign him? Second and a fifth. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's a significant cost. Now, yeah. if he walks away and he signs a mega deal, you do get that pick. Not in this year's draft, but you will get. You know, that, that, what do they call that? that? third-round comp pick? There you go. You will get that back Maybe. the following year, depending Maybe. on the size of that deal and the magnitude of and it. And what other free agents you sign. That factors Correct. into it as well. Correct. So. And you do have a bunch of free agents, by the way. I know that Justin sent us that list yesterday with, I don't know, about a half dozen or so free agents. I was looking at Randy Mueller's list mm -hmm. as well. A little bit different. Didn't have them quite as high. Didn't have a Bobby Wagner and some of those is quite as high as some of the other places have. But you do have six or seven unrestricted free agents. You do have a lot of work. to. I mean, I mean that's the reality. So, <laughs> Combine is next week. Oh, and you're still rounding out the rest of this staff and your own people. And, yeah, there is a lot of work to be done over the next few weeks. Here's the third thing you need to Well, speaking of work to be done in the next few weeks, the Kraken continue to kind of just hover outside the playoffs. If they don't go on a run very quickly, it'd be very difficult to commit any more resources to this team this year than what they've already got. They lost yesterday in overtime to Detroit with Jared McCann. A couple of goals, but unfortunately not enough. They get one point out of the deal, but probably needed two. Kind of just treading in the middle, huh? Yep. Kind of just treading in the middle. Just beating some of the bad teams and handling them. You're not a bad team. But anytime you're facing some of the good or the elite teams in this league, you're not walking away with another point, enough points. You're on the outside looking in if the playoffs were to start today. Mm -hmm. And with just, as you said, about two, three weeks to go, you buying? I'm not buying right now. You no. selling? Maybe. I mean, is it time to sell three years into this thing? A little bit, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, maybe along the margins. I don't think you're going to have like a full-scale rebuild or anything, but yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. All right, that's everything you need to know uh, quarter past every hour here in the Brock and Salk Show. What did you make of the Luis Castillo thing? 
that jump out to you at all? We haven't talked much about him. He's been kind of a a quiet. Did you watch his uh, live BP yesterday? I did. Yeah, he was a nasty. Of course, he looked nasty. Slider. He's always nasty. He's got. You nasty know what I stuff. think it is with Luis? You know what I think it is? Honestly, with him, is pitch efficiency. His stuff, and mm-hmm. I don't care what the metric is. His stuff is filthy. It's brilliant. He builds up. We know all of that. But that's what I think struck me the most last year. Mm-hmm. Oh, hello. Hi, Luis. There you are. Yep. It's when he's molding that piece of clay. Mm-hmm. And he's on the potter's wheel. Can you just be a little more efficient with the clay? So you can go a little deeper in some of these games. Can you get to seven innings? Eat even more of those innings solved with a little bit of pitch efficiency. We love, there were some games where he pitched contact. It was great. The bullpen was dry. He needed to go and mm-hmm. he needed to, you know, extend. And he was able to do that. And he's not worried about his own selfish stats. He strikes me as a guy that's not worried about chasing Cy Youngs and legacy and anything else. He's chilling. And the, he's just out there pitching. He's just, yeah, he's just doing his thing. Yeah. But I think for him to win that Cy Young, it's going to be a little more pitch efficiency. That could be. Yeah, it was interesting hearing Scott kind of talk through that uh, with Kirby and saying that in his way, he might need to throw outside the zone a little bit more often for more pitch efficiency, right? Right. That guys are fouling off a lot of those pitches inside the zone, and he may need to break his standard and actually risk throwing a couple more balls in order to try to get guys out. Did it strike you and surprise you at all as you were reading about Kirby yesterday? I don't have a catcher. I have my little nine-hole net. You know, like I, it, as he was doing that, I was thinking of John Smoltz. Remember when John joined us last time mm-hmm. and he was talking about their rotation in Atlanta and obviously the top of it with Maddox? Like, yeah, he's convinced that you could tell Maddox any one of those nine holes at any time and it's not even a challenge. Right. And uh, yeah, as I was chuckling and, and reading that last night, <laughs> I was smiling, Kirby, like, yeah, you know, I don't really need to go to tread. I don't really need to go to driveline. I got my little nine hole net in the backyard and I will just fire some yeah. rockets in there. I guess I found those. myself thinking about my kids like, man, it would be really nice if they were to just go outside and do something and I didn't have to participate in it all the time. <laughs> like he's just very content going out there and practicing, whereas my kids uh-huh. are like, uh, what should I do next? Dad. Yeah. Dad. Dad. Dad can you count? Dad. Dad, Dad, stop napping. Can you come help with this? I don't want to do it by myself. All right, we got ranked. I've got a Mariner ranked for you today, Dad. Brock, that I think is going to bother you. That's coming up here in about 20 minutes. Brock and Dad. Salt. Sales Sports on 710, salesports.com. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Oh, Brock, you're going to hate my rank today. Oh, jeez. I think you're going to be very annoyed. Is it really dark? No. Oh, okay. No, it's a Mariner's prank. Okay. Yeah. No, it's it's a. Yeah, it's usually a the only ones I hate are the ones like with. Death. Oh, there's something you're gonna hate. Oh boy. Yeah, I can already tell. I, you really? mentioned it today, and I was like, oh, Brock's gonna really be annoyed oh, when I start great. doing the ranking later. So, great. yeah, that's coming up in 15 minutes. But that's me, Brock. I like to be annoying, right? Sure. Haven't I, haven't I mean, I, that, didn't I once say that? I think we have that sound by Justin. Justin. <laughs> Justin. Are you there? Justin's Justin? not in the room. Uh-huh. No, he's, he's not in the room. Walked no. away to hey, work I on something you, important. I know you want to get back to a little Seahawks here. Can I just interject one yeah. other little kind of newsy item that continues to happen over the weekend? And I know this isn't necessarily on your radar but it certainly is on mine. Kalen DeBoer loses yet another coach. So William Inge, one of the guys that I love, is co-defensive coordinator over the last few years. Yep, just up and packed his bags and leaving Tuscaloosa too. Really? And going to the University of Tennessee as a linebacker coach. So now Huff, 
now Grub, now Inge. I mean, some of the most influential coaches. Why is that happening? And I said at the time, and I remember jumping on with my friends down in Alabama and saying, hey, man, if you're Greg Byrne, the AD, really good AD, by the way, mm-hmm. um, it came out of Arizona and everything else. It almost looks like you from behind. Yeah, almost looks like me from behind. In fact, one of our peers may or may not have slapped his butt at the Alamo Bowl thinking it was me until he turned around and just about gave a knuckle sandwich to a former PD. Like, what are you slapping my butt for? You know, I've, you? I've thought about that story enough that I think I was there. Yeah, pretty much. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> yes. I know I wasn't there for that. Right. But that story is so vivid to me. Yes. And I've told it so in, often. Embedded in your memory. It is absolutely <laughs> so thickly embedded in mm-hmm. my memory that I feel like I was there for it, even though I was not. Yep. But if you're Greg Byrne, smart. You're not going to replace Nick Saban. Just not going to do it. Those shoes, nobody's going to step into solo, individually. You needed a collective crew, mm-hmm. like you know Lance Leipold from Wisconsin Whitewater to Buffalo to Kansas, whole staff been together forever, and that to me was the great selling point for Kalen DeBoer. He's going to bring his people, just like he brought them, you know, from Fresno to Washington, Washington to Alabama, and then out goes the door, Mr. Huff. Out goes the door, Mr. Grubb. Out goes the door, Mr. Inge. And yeah, because he's why would they want to live in Tuscaloosa? Yeah, yeah, and some of that is you know the appeal of the NFL, but when you lose somebody in the conference, mm-hmm. when you lose one of the, just the, and, and William Inge is just one of the good guys. He's the one that took Titus there at the Apple Cup and said, "Hey, you know what? What do you play?" And he's like, "Oh, quarterback and defensive end," and grabbed him by the collar and just took him in the locker room. And and <laughs> Titus got to see pregame some stuff that, like that Greg Byrne butt slapping story, yeah. he will never forget in his life either. Of <laughs> guys head on the wall and screaming and chanting and everything else. But truly, like one of the good guys and loses them. So why? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's like, hey, we do get down here, and this is just not for me. I mean, this place is just – and many of those guys had been with Kalen yeah. at different stops, but they had not been down there. They would not been in that kind of country, in the SEC country where – Like, it, hey, we didn't sign up for this, man. We signed right. up to, to coach football, not yeah. to be in Tuscaloosa. Well, I and I can't leave my house without everybody tracking me and right. everybody watching me and all eyes on me, and I'm in a fishbowl, and we're repl- – no, if there's another opportunity, let me go. So, yeah, Kalen is uh, Interesting. fighting some battles down there. All so. right, well, good okay. stuff. There you go. Seahawks have some decisions to make there, buddy. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And um, I don't know – I don't know how much cash they have right now. I don't know how much flexibility they have right at this exact moment. So they don't have a ton right now, but but it sure sounds like they're going to, right? I mean, like when we're talking about this off season, don't you have to start with some assumptions? Don't you have to start by assuming that they're going to need to do something with Tyler Lockett, probably some sort of a, a restructure on his deal, new, new deal that that is for less money or else they're probably going to have to cut him. And I would assume Mm -hmm. maybe incorrectly that Tyler would be willing to go for something like that. And maybe we're just assuming that because he seems like a nice guy, but he, also i would think is smart enough to kind of know the score know his age know the and just say yeah if i want to keep doing this this is kind mm-hmm. of how i'm gonna have to do mm-hmm. it but that's not the only one i'm i'm just no, ass- jamal would i'm assuming right jamal there. adams is not here next year Can you, did you understand you and i are kind of middle-aged men maybe it's not as easy for us to decipher some of those tweets that yeah. justin and morris sent to us did you understand those yesterday yeah I didn't, you didn't what what did you read into those not much Oh really? Well, I mean, he was he was asked. He sort of made a joke, or I thought it was a joke about like running it back in New York, mm-hmm. right? And then sent to Sauce Gardner, and then somebody was like, "Yeah, come back. Why'd you leave?" And he's like, "Yeah, because I hated my coach at the time. That guy right. didn't want to play for that guy." Right. And I guess you could infer from that 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 guy's not there anymore. So maybe yep. he'd like to come back. Yep. All I get out of that really is that Jamal Adams just sort of unhappy. 
Yeah. And I don't know that has anything to do with the Seahawks. I think he's just kind of generally yeah, the last unhappy. four years have just been unfortunate, you know, injury after injury after injury after injury. And it's just the, the body is just breaking I down. I don't blame him. I'd be unhappy. Yep. I mean, like yep. he wants to play a game in one style that he's best at and his body's not letting him do that. Okay. So if you think and you assume there, right or wrong, and I'm kind of there with you that we just assume that Tyler loves it here. We assume that he wants to be a Seahawk for life. We mm-hmm. assume that he would renegotiate and understand what the market is and what the market conditions are and and with these unbelievable another crop of unbelievable young first and second and third round talent coming into the league we would assume that would you assume that jamal adams wouldn't take a pay cut yes would you assume that if you went to him and say hey listen you know we have kind of paid you top of the market for four years here three years and i'm gonna go very little return on investment and we need you to take a significant pay cut and he would say thanks but no thanks i don't know whether he would or not i wouldn't ask yeah to be honest with you. And and this is where it's very different from the DK conversation. I, I'm interested in having a conversation about trading DK because mm-hmm. I think he has immense value, not because I don't want him around anymore. I, I think I just, if I'm the Seahawks, I think I'm just done with, with Jamal Adams. And it's and it's not that I don't like him either. I mean, I you know how excited I was for him. And I love a guy who plays the way he plays. But I just think, unfortunately, that whole availability is more yeah. important than ability. dependability you just need Mm -hmm. to be able to count on him and and i'm not blaming him for his own injuries Mm -hmm. but i just think at some point you just you're just better to be a post june one cut whether that's better to start over yep i would tend to agree with that so yeah you you make a couple of those moves and 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 that's a bummer too by the way like it's such a bummer that that didn't work how many times did i say god jamal let me love you just be that player that you were he'd be so fun and it just unfortunately never really materialized as much as we wanted it to here nope Nope, nope. So, I, I, yeah, we know the salary cap is a pliable and movable mm-hmm. number and everything else, and you can create space. And if you want so if you really want, the bottom line is if you really want somebody, you can sign them. Always. So do you really want Leonard Williams? I, I don't know how you don't after what you gave up to get him. If you don't really want Leonard Williams, why did mm. you? give up as much as you did to get them. Mm-hmm. And you talk about the pliability of the salary cap. I mean, if they didn't want to give up as much as they did, they could have just spent more money on them this year. They paid down the salary that the Giants were willing to to eat by giving them higher draft pick in the second round pick. Mm-hmm. What am I missing? Mm-hmm. Don't you want him back? Isn't that like, wasn't that the plan? I absolutely do want him back. Can you play that cut you played earlier of Joel Corey, though? Yeah. Talking about Dre Jones. I have that. This is this here. is from Bump yeah. and Stacey. And he did say also that, that he'd be very tough to franchise him, which is exactly what you said. He's making $21 million per year on the last deal. Is he thinking I'll take a pay cut to stay? Or is he looking for top dollars? I've already gotten one payday. Sometimes when you've already gotten a payday, you're thinking, I don't necessarily need every last dollar, but I guarantee if he's going to stay put, you have to pay him more than Draymond Jones. Yeah, and then uh-huh. it comes uh, real funny. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> John Schneider's like, that's not funny. <laughs> John Schneider's like, stepbrother's funny. That's not funny, trust that, me. No, that isn't funny. But if you're Leonard Williams, are you going to are you going to make less than, than Dre Jones? I mean, maybe, just with your age, why not? Maybe, maybe, but with your product productivity and your game and still where you're at and hey man, age is only a number. And if yeah. I'm, if I'm declining, hey, great, but I'm not declining. I was your best defensive lineman last year. 
I was the one that was a difference maker for you. Sure. No matter how bad this defense was, let's just put on the tape. You know, don't talk about my age. Put on the tape and tell mm-hmm. me how I played for you and how available I was for you and the difference maker that I am for you. Now, most of these free agent lists, Salk, I think have him as the highest free agent for the Seahawks. I think every one of them does. And he's mm-hmm. somewhere in the mid to low 20s, you know, with his peers. Jordan Brooks and is probably the next one on that list. And maybe he's in the 50s. So those guys that are in the that kind of range in the 20s are usually first wave-ish kind of guys. Yep. Though he has gotten his payday, though he is older, but he's been available. He's not beat up. He's not wore down. His tape does not show any decline. I mean, these are the conversations that are that are ongoing right now in that building. And I, and I hope, you know, obviously not hope. I know that they've reached out to his agent and trying to figure something out. Mm-hmm. I would hope that you could get him back in the fold. That would be a real bummer He's to have given up that they gave up. Number one for me. Yeah, I would. I would certainly think that you'd be willing to make some other moves. And by the way, most of the guys in order to make that happen. Correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the guys that they have traded for, right, and given up significant assets for, haven't they signed them? Like I think Jadavian Clowney's the one, right? They did, but remember, even Different. even yeah. in that deal, that team ate a bunch of that money yeah. for him, and and that is a significant knee injury and other things yeah, that yeah. you're just really worried about. But you know, when they traded for the left tackle from Houston, when they traded Dwayne for Brown, Percy, when they traded for Jimmy, pra- traded for Marshawn, traded for most of yeah, them. because you, they, there's no reason to give up that much. Traded for even tra- Jamal Adams and gave up two firsts. And even though I didn't want an extension, ultimately you've given up that sunk cost. Now you know, finish the deal on the other side. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where you're sitting here. And I hope the trend continues because I think he should absolutely be top priority. Number one on your roster in free agency to get him back in the fold. Okay. But it's got to be a number that makes sense. And then after that, quite honestly, looking at all the other free agents, Jordan Brooks is compelling. After that, Damian Lewis, Phil Haynes, Bobby Wagner, Noah Fant. Uh, Nobody there that really jumps out to you. Nobody that says I have to. Right. Nobody that says, yep, this has got to be an absolute priority for me, and i got to get him back. In the-. I mean, Jordan will be very intriguing, and he will be tied to Queen and be tied to the rest of a whole bunch of other older, much more veteran free agent mm-hmm. linebackers with some familiar names and guys on there that I have liked through the years, from Devin White to Levante David. There is a bunch of them out there on that market. So, yeah, man, anytime we get into these into these dialogues and you start to peel an onion back, you're like, oh, my gosh, well, that leads to this, and that leads to this, and that leads to this, and that leads to the combine next week, and that leads to the draft. I mean, it is a, uh, man, pretty exhaustive process for sure. I would say it is. And, uh, you know, look, I just I just want them to get better and be built differently. And, and you know, I, I don't want to keep coming back to the same argument over and over again. You guys have sort of heard what I feel about it, and I'm not going to keep making the same How case again How do you build a line of scrimmage? Don't right. even say his name. How do you build up the line of scrimmage? You, you can just do this exercise without. You just without said you first of all want to want to bring back Leonard Williams. Okay, yep. great. I agree. Mm-hmm. And then you said you want to let go the guards from last year. Okay, fine. I agree. Yep. What are you going to do? Yep. Because you're going to need two guards or at least one if you like mm-hmm. Bradford, and you're going to need uh, center. a center, and you're going to need, and you're going to need, and you're going to need, yep. and at the and 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 hanging out kind of beyond all of this whole conversation. Is the is the potential for a quarterback? When mm-hmm. are you going to tell, to select a quarterback? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be this year? Is it going to be next year? Is it going to be the year after that? What are you going to do long term at quarterback? If you truly believe Geno Smith is that guy, I think you're probably not on an island. But I don't think there are that many people out there who think Geno is can the you build long-term your long term answer. Can you build your roster up well enough 
where if Geno Smith is your quarterback, you can win a Super Bowl. You better be damn good. Right? I mean, yes, you can, mm-hmm. but you better be damn good everywhere else. Mm-hmm. You better be really, really good everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty hard to do. In the meantime, there are six quarterbacks that could get drafted in the first round this year. Six? Yeah, that, that number is going to start to dwindle, by okay, the way. Okay, five? Yeah. Okay. I mean, what, whatever it is, four. Well, it sounds like Panic's the only one that's dwindling off of it at all. Yeah, I Nick's think the is, other five guys are all getting drafted in the yeah, first round. Nick's just uh, kind of hurt a little at the Senior Bowl. We'll see at the Combine. We'll see through the interview process. We'll It'll see all the come back. They love yeah. quarterbacks. They do. This league loves them. They love quarterbacks. Somebody because will it's either roster it. or quarterback, man. It's either roster or quarterback. That, that is a divide in this league. Mm-hmm. That, do I need to build this roster and build this roster and build this roster so I can take really Brock Purdy or Gino or you know a real capable quarterback and win it, or can I find him a Holmes that just makes that entire roster better. Or Josh Allen that makes that entire well, roster really better. really hard Burrow. to find one of those guys if you don't ever draft them. And in their entirety of their time here, John mm-hmm. Schneider has drafted two. Russell Wilson and Magoo. That's it. So at some point, you would think you're going to want to try to draft a quarterback. And if you want to do that and fix the line of scrimmage, you're going to need some more draft resources to make it happen. Right now, let's rank. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Salk. Top ten list. I'm not buying it. Ranked. All right, with uh, us being not even a week away, Brock, from our trip to spring training, I thought I would uh, rank today the players you're most looking forward to seeing. Avery remembered that she was listening to the show last year when we had a conversation like this, and her memory was of Morris' person. She was most excited to see at spring training last year. Do you know who yours was, Maura? Do you know what your answer was? Avery remembers. That's funny. I don't remember. Avery was very clear that your answer was Marco Gonzalez last year, that that was the player you were most looking forward to seeing. Really? That's what she said. Uh, Are you calling my daughter a liar? No. No, I just don't. I, I don't recall. Why would you? Why? I would never. You're doubting Avery? Such a quick. Seems like a mistake. Position you had to jump. Well, I'm, I'm intrigued as to why. I don't know. Because I don't remember. Who, remember? who, who cares? Anyway, here's what I got. For me, I know it was Mark Lowe. Even well, though obviously, he has <laughs> always been. Apple of your eye. Yes. All right. So players you're most looking forward to seeing, Brock. I got a ton of honorable mentions, okay? Like uh, Mitch Garver. Well, get eyes on Mitch Garver. Could you pick him out when he walks by us at the picnic table I think on so. Monday morning? Yeah, I think, think so? I, I think I would be. I think so. Not positive. If he's got a hat, blue jean, you think you can? Maybe not. Pick- <laughs> I got to get a sense of the build and all of that. So uh, maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. Um, the entirety of their starting rotation. <laughs> I don't have any of them on like guys I'm most looking forward to seeing because I think I have like some pretty clear expectations of it. And I don't think we're going to get to see that much of Brian Wu, especially early in spring training this year. But Bryce Miller would be near the top of this list of the honorable mentions for me. Want to see the new pitch, kind of want to see how he's going to get lefties out this year. He's a, a swing kind of guy for me this year. Mm-hmm. This is when you're going to be sort of annoyed. Oh, jeez. I got, I got Polanco as an honorable mention. 
What? I know. And I know you how... I feel like you already know too much about him. And that's well, it. I think it, I think he's... I'm with you, Brock, that he's such an important piece of what they added this offseason. Did you listen to Dan Zimborski when he joined us? <laughs> yes. That was a huge move. Right I in think the it was. I'm not, if not his I, most favorite I move. I know that. I don't disagree with it. In fact, I agree. What's wrong with you? I think Sometimes I just you a, try to overthink the room. I just think don't I... Don't do that. I told you you'd be annoyed. I think I just have a pretty... I think I know who he is. Like, I think he's going to be a solid veteran. Don't think, just do. I don't don't, hate. Thank you, bro. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that he's going to be a, like, spring training star. I think he's a guy who's going to give you a great at bat when you need it. Not somebody that's going to jump off the page at you. I I can't say this now because I sound like a fool because I didn't say it then. But I will say, when I was around BP, and I, you know I like going out there and listening mm-hmm. to it and watching it, yeah. A.J. Pollock was a dud. Yeah. I mean, it was a dud last year. Colton Wong and BP and everything else. I remember even asking Jerry, like, hey, man, who do we need to be careful not to judge too harshly through spring trainings like Colton Wong? Well, I should have judged them because both of them's bats were just dead. Mm-hmm. D-O-A. I hope Mr. I thought you were spelling dead with an O. I wasn't sure where that was going. Give me, was like, give me some It is D-E-A-D. Yeah, D-E-A-D. Anyway, those uh, those guys don't quite make my start in my top five. Not that I'm not looking forward to it, but they're uh, those. Well, if are... you don't have somebody in this top five, I'm I'm throwing my headsets. It could happen. All right. Well, numbers four and five for me together are Luke Rayleigh and Dominic Canzone. Corner outfielder, such an important position, and they're taking pretty big risks with both of those guys. Right? I mean, Haniger, yeah, you're risking the injury stuff. But with those guys, you're projecting that they're going to continue to grow into it, especially Canzone. And you're giving them a pretty big uh, job. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of the, hey, this lineup could do this, that, and the other Mm -hmm. is somewhat reliant on Rayleigh adding or at least, you know, uh, uh, equaling what he did last year. And on their belief that Dominic Canzone, there's more in there, especially more pop. I got to look up this Luke Rayleigh guy. You're excited for him. He's on your... Was that the guy you'd be annoyed about? No. Oh, really? Because I got to see Rayleigh, too. He's supposed to be huge, athletic. Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess that his BP is loud. He ain't even that young. Rayleigh? No, he's a little older. He's going to be 30 in September. Yeah, I'm going to guess he's got a loud BP. Okay. Just a guess. Mm -hmm. So those guys are number four and five to me. Number three, the guy that Simborski mentioned, Gregory Santos. Because if he is kind of what they say he could be, he could be like elite level closer kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he could be with Brash and with Munoz, both of whom I'm also looking forward to seeing, to be honest with you, um, that's a pretty enticing idea, don't you think? And something they really need. They're going to need one of the other guys to kind of grow up into being a, a reliever this year. But mm-hmm. if, if Santos is the dude that they think he is and that the projections think he is, total difference maker at the back end. And something they were missing at the end of last year. 6'4", 235. Yeah. Rayleigh. Yeah. That's a, that's a big dude. Yeah. Is that the biggest outfielder they maybe have ever had? How big was Logan Morrison? I, mean, I can't remember. I don't I mean, yeah, Logan was close. Close to that, probably. He was a big dude. He was a pretty jack dude. 6'4", though. Yeah. I mean, when... If, Logan Morrison's listed at 6'3", 2'38". Pretty yeah, close. Pretty close. Um, Nelson Cruz, if and when he were to play the outfield, would be Correct. on that list. Correct. Uh, Carlos Pagaro? Big dude. 
Yeah, I mean, there have been a couple. <laughs> they haven't all worked out that well. No. They haven't all been great. <laughs> all right, number two, Shannon brought up his name today, Brock. First, one of the first people I'm going to be looking for, Ty France. Was that the guy? No. Oh, jeez. Goodness I thought you were going with more new guys. Goodness I just want to see if Ty France is going to be, like, he's a swingman on this team, right? You know what Ty France strikes me as? Every time I've been around him the last few years, just kind of that ho-hum. Yeah, I'm just kind of a shorter, squattier guy. Yeah. Like, this is just what I've been given. Well, that's what I want to see if Driveline changed that. Exactly. Right? Like, what? What? how different is this going to be? Because yep. if Ty France is the player he was, what, two years ago? Three years yep. ago? Yep. They're, they're a totally different baseball team. Yep. So, yeah. Ty Did France. you see that college kid, by the way, that got hit like seven out of his first eight at-bats? Oh, got eight of hit. nine. No. Eight of nine? Yeah. Yes. And I think the ninth one, the umpire. His name is Schmai Stramps. Made him Strange. stay in the box because he didn't yes. he didn't make an effort to move. <laughs> <laughs> He's just there to get hit. Oh. Tough guy. How big is Buner? Ooh, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. I bet he wasn't 6'4, 240. He won 6'4, 240. Yeah, no. no way. No. No he chance. Six threes, according to the internet. Really? Yeah. But yeah. not 240. No, no chance. 220. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's still a big dude. Mm-hmm. Someone texted, yo, idiots. Julio's a big dude. Hey, you know who's number one on my list? <laughs> Julio Rodriguez. Soft. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's obvious. So Julio's number one. It should be. Who's the first person you want to see? Julio. He's he's in a different category than everybody else on this team. But why do you want to see him? Well, I mean, Because of his eyes? Because <laughs> of, yeah. of beautiful eyes. <laughs> I thought you were going to have some honorable mentions like some of the young pitchers or the shortstops or maybe some very mm. forward. Yeah, you kind of got down to business with this ranked. I that's, like. what I was, that's what I was yeah. interested in seeing. Why, who am I missing, Brock? I think I think well, who Shannon brought up. A happy Mitch Haniger? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm excited to see Haniger. I'm excited to talk to Mitch more than mm. I am to see him, if that makes sense. Like, I enjoy Mitch quite a bit. I, I like talking to him, and I'll be excited Will to do it. Will you ever do with your beard what many of these are doing and evolving? Just kind of grow it a little bit out? No, no, I trim you it. won't do that? No. I don't like that as much. I'm not saying like never, but I don't like that. I think it would work for you. I don't care. If we ever get to the playoffs. I don't care what you think. Playoff beard? Oh, yeah. Would you do a playoff beard? Yeah, I would do that. Okay, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah. I'm not I'm not against You'll that. You'll never see it. I'm not against it. For what sport? Or like a Brock and Salk playoff. Yeah, I was thinking. <laughs> like show a show playoff. I knew it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, we got to go. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. No KJ anymore. So sad on a Wednesday. What a bummer. I know. Yeah, Richie Saxon, pretty big dude. Like not an outfielder. Huh? Not an outfielder. Sure he was. What? He was an outfielder in Cleveland. I just remember him in the first place. Oh, first well, before place, he yeah. before that, he played some outfield in Cleveland. Okay. Gotcha. I never watched him when he was here. Are you kidding me? Nobody <laughs> <laughs> cared. Uh, Ryan right, Grubb, by the way. Ryan Grubb in an hour. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Bump and stays. Well, that's exciting. New OC. Oh, so we'll be able to react to some of that tomorrow as well. All right. We'll catch you guys at 6 a.m. Until then, the hay. Barn. See you, everybody. Guys the chopper!